Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. South Carolina, not satisfied stealing Clemson's in-game experience and facility construction video gag, announced their response to the football operations facility slide. They're repurposing an abandoned municipal pool in Columbia and filling it with school-colored plastic balls. A.D. Ray Tanner is said to be taking suggestions for naming his pool, with finalists being the pit, the ring, or balls. Welcome back, team. It's July. Clemson are still champs, and life is good. Um, this is your host, Nick. I'm here with Ben and Cody today. We're here to break up the dog days of summer with some good old-fashioned Clemson football talk. Cody, you recently turned 30. How's that treating you? I feel great. Better than ever. Better than I felt when I was 25. So I think we're making progress here. You don't look any better. I've been told that. You're not the first. Before we get started, guys, I want to give a shout-out to a longtime listener, really our first listener outside of the three of us and our buddy Graham, who's, you know, kind of our absentee fourth host here. Um, Billy Cooper, uh, got to meet Billy in person at Ben's wedding. He's Ben's uncle. It was a real treat to meet Billy. Shout out to him. Thanks for all the listens. Thanks for the good feedback and positive support. We appreciate you. Yeah, I'm not sure he wanted uh, he want to admit that he's my uncle. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that being said, yeah, he's one of the first listeners. Uh, Great guy. If you're ever uh, going up for a, for a Clemson game, uh, he'll welcome you into his home. I'll send out the address here at the end of the episode. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but, don't, but also, don't forget about uh, Cody's mom's church group. Ladies, we appreciate you too. Are they still listening, Cody? I don't think so. We've, we've used far too much profanity up at this point. <laughs> you have. Well, in the start of this episode, probably turned them off. Excellent. Well, uh, we are eager to get started with this show. Not a ton going on in the world of Clemson football just yet. Um, certainly some recruiting news that we plan to touch on here um, as things are still heating up for the 2018 class. Really, we thought we'd spend this show taking a look at the returning guys on the defensive side of the football. Really looking at last year's roster, who's gone, um, and we will take a look at who's back from um, the national championship squad, as well as who we think is going to be getting some solid playing time, either from the freshman ranks um, or from further down the depth chart from years past. Um, Cody, maybe to kick it over to you, um, how's your sort of reacclimation into college football prep been going? I know you're our, you're, you're our recruiting guru and you, you've kept track of that, but how's that been going? And do you have any like recruiting tidbits for us here? Well, of course, the All-In Cookout is coming up. I don't know the date. Well, actually, we do know the date now, but it's one of those things you don't talk about the cookout. It's the first rule of cookout. I got that on the STS's comment boards. That was a great, uh, one of the best posts I've ever seen. Um, but no, there's a lot of excitement right now in terms of recruiting. Um, around, the, around the world of college football, though, um, when you look at like recruiting on a macro level, we just saw the 7-on-7 seven seven elite, uh, the, the opening in, in Oregon, and you saw Justin Fields, uh, a really, really high upside 
dual threat quarterback who's down to I think Florida State, Georgia, um, and Alabama and Auburn. And just decommitted from Penn State not too long ago. So, but he's a Georgia guy. He jumps Trevor Lawrence in the two four seven rankings. And uh, you know, looking at it at a macro level, like I tend to think like this is becoming almost like a gimmick. Um, you know, just a clickbait. You know, get the get the traffic to your website. I mean, that and this is what what Quacking Tiger said. But that's just kind of the world that we, we might start to live in now, the shifting world of media. And I don't want to go too deep into that, but I think that might be what you see when you look at Aren't recruiting. So whenever we talk about ratings here or in, or in the future, I think we have to consider that. I mean, in, to his credit, Justin Fields has looked amazing. I'd feel bad for Penn State if they weren't Penn State. Um, <laughs> isn't 247 generally, aren't their rankings like typically a little off from inconsistent with the other major recruiting services? Yeah, I think they are, and I think I mean I think ESPN is too. So I think it's two factors. One, you know, which that Quacking Tiger alluded to again. It's like just clickbait, draw, drawing traffic and visitors, um, and and second, like less coverage. They do not have the resources that Arrivals has with like Yahoo.com backing them. ESPN.com has had massive layoffs, and you know, of course, their whole recruiting team is gone. So like, I think that's something we should think about when we look at rankings from now on. Like. Maybe take rivals and, and take those, but like all the other services, I don't know if I have a whole lot of confidence in them. Well, I mean, and the, and those services are really just for us fans, right? I mean, the coaches have their own uh, methods, and they got their you know ear to the ground on things. I mean, look at all the three stars, some walk-ons that we bring onto the team that turn out to be really great players and end up going to the NFL. I mean, it's not about recruiting rankings. That's that's more for the fans, I think. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And I think sometimes even like an ESPN.com will piggyback off of Clemson, particularly our wide receiver, because we've been so damn good in that position group. They'll find a Cornell Powell who is like not even a top 300 player, and, they'll, and they'll, they see that he's the top of our board. Well, they make him a top 50 prospect. So that's the way you just kind of take a shortcut. But um, maybe without further ado, I'll, we'll talk a little bit about the cookout and the guys. What I wanted to do was just talk about the three or four main guys that – now here I am saying guys a lot um, that that we're really pinpointing that we really need areas of need positions of need um, but also just tremendously high upside players and, and who f- are those guys <laughs> first one Jamari Sawyer offensive guard out of Georgia Pace Academy um, I'm going to compare him to Dexter Lawrence as an offensive guard in terms of just yeah the 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 size the fundamentals the technique lower body strength being able to um, move. Uh, agility at, at, at I think he's six foot four, uh, three hundred thirty pounds. He's just a can't miss type prospect. You hate to put that label on a kid, but he is a can't miss type prospect. Uh, at five star, I think like Quacking Tiger said he'll hit the two deep and probably push for the the number one spot. Um, we haven't had a, a a guy in the interior of our line like like this ever before, and he sits right now between us and Georgia. Uh, QT set a slight Clemson lean. I think it's probably uh, I think it's a 50-50 battle whenever you're going in state against them against a guy like Sawyer. So you'd pay to see that matchup between Sawyer and uh, Dexter Lawrence in next year's spring game. <laughs> I, I mean, absolutely. I think Dexter Lawrence is going to beat anybody. There's no one on this uh, on the college level that's going to stand in front can, of him. Can you imagine Dexter Lawrence in year three? Let alone, I mean, you see what he's done so far this year coming up. But cherish every moment of this guy. Um, but I think you could potentially say that for Sawyer if he becomes a Clemson Tiger from from day one. Again, you're talking about like some of the offensive line, the push we haven't really been able to establish in the run game. You know, you have Tyrone Crowder who shows flashes. Sawyer's just he's. <laughs> 
I think Zamir White is going to feel bad if, if Sawyer comes to, to Clemson. He, he might even you know, rethink his decision. Cody, wait a minute. You think Zamir White may reconsider Sawyer comes to Clemson? Not that alone, but yeah. I mean, you're talking about an offensive guard. If you're planning to stay for three years, Sawyer's probably going to be here for three years. And the more he gets to know Kirby Smart, that to me makes sense. Right. Well, I mean, I can see the draw. I, I don't know. I can see the draw to UGA because they do put backs in the league. I mean, they don't do anything else, but they do that. I, it seems like speculation. Yeah, no, I, this is something I just said, you know, off the top of, the, top of my head. I, I'm just saying he's that he's the kind of guy, if you're like, hey, who's the one guy as a running back I want to run behind in this whole class? That would be Sawyer. So and write that down, guys. It's gospel. Cody said it. We got off, off the top of his head. It's gospel. Um, so, Cody, I mean, when's the last time Clemson's had an interior lineman recruited so high, so highly coming in it in recent memory? Probably goes back to Tyrone Crowder. Uh, he was top, a top 150 player and him along I mean he's he's had the last two years have really transformed our running game him along with Jake Guillermo but again you're not talking about we're talking about this new elite um, class of guys uh, class of players that were able to to recruit and and Jake Guillermo was a a four-star top 100 top 200 player Uh, same for Crowder and you, you see the strides we've been able to make when you're able to do things like in the horizontal game the eye candy that we throw but you, you mix in a player like Sawyer, uh, a, a Trey Hill who would be in, you know next in line, um, Carmen uh, Jackson Carmen who's who's also on our list. I mean that's like it's it's mind blowing. I think it puts us in that same category as Alabama where you're talking about not just a I don't want to say a passable or a, we'll, we'll say above average is what we've been working with the last couple of years. But now you're getting to elite like uh, an elite offensive line that you can lean on to to get you short yardage. And, and to win games, really. Well, and it's crazy that, that we've made so many strides and still have not gotten to a, an elite level um, on the offensive line. We're, we're nowhere close to what Alabama is, yet we're still able to drive them off the ball in the national championship game last year, you know, coming down to the end of the game. Um, and we, we've done it with players that haven't been so you know, heralded coming into the program, not the same guys that Alabama has. Yeah, and I say that, too, like all the things we do. I think sometimes when you look at the way we were able to get to Alabama late in the game, it's a, more of a function of our, of our pace and some of the things that we throw at you, uh, the, 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 the many plays that we ran. So I'm talking about just a, a, a kind of a one-on-one uh, beginning of the game, a, an offensive line that's just going to carry your team, that's going to get you yards, that will mask the weakness of maybe a young quarterback or even a quarterback that's not Deshaun Watson, that game, the, uh, the game manager type quarterback. Like that's what we want at Clemson. That's what we're working towards. I, I think the reason you can see a guy like uh, AJ Terrell potentially uh, going in and making a, a quick splash, well, it's harder to see that with offensive linemen. Even though we've had some first-year guys have some success. We're starting to see the the fruit of of really pulling in some high upside offensive linemen, and and it, and it continues and it gets better with the with the uh, the class up upcoming. Whoever thought offensive linemen uh, recruiting could be so sexy? <laughs> it, it, it is, man. <laughs> running the ball is sexy, just like playing good defense is sexy. Being able to run the ball with efficiency is well, sexy. And, and we lose appreciation for that when this hurry up no huddle offense, spread offenses. Um, started coming into play and people just started throwing the ball around like in the Big 12. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you round it back into when Clemson kind of going this direction with these quarterbacks. You do start to get more of appreciation for the run game now as we've begun, uh, come to be a more well-rounded or at least strive to be a more well-rounded football team. Because it also helps in these transitional periods at the quarterback position. 
Exactly, exactly. And I, I don't think we're quite there to elite offensive line, but you're, you're seeing the makings of it. And, I, and Sawyer is – I would say he's number one in terms of importance for this class, and it's with the distance. Again, he uh, he's going to be at the all-in cookout. We don't know for sure until he is there. That's all you know. Um, that's all you know about the cookout. But if, if he's there, it's, 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 I think we get a slight edge over Georgia, and that's huge. So number two on the list of prospects would be defensive back – cornerback Anthony Cook out of Houston so he we, is coming he is the word is he is coming as well again I never 100% but yeah you're talking about a guy coming from Houston too so Cody you gonna be tracking like flights and you know plane movement I will be yes excellent yeah <laughs> I want tracking number everything um so Anthony Cook we have so we have Kyler McMichael who, who committed recently we have one more spot at that cornerback position and we want one of these elite Five-star players. He is one of them. And when I look at his film, it's it's just inc- – it, it blows my mind in terms of wh- what he looks like. He's kind of like Trayvon Mullen to me, uh, maybe a little a little bit more length, uh, the same amount of just elite speed, great hips from a guy that's art, that's 6'2". Mm. And uh, incredibly – I think he has better technique than Trayvon uh, Mullen because Mullen was a little bit more of an athlete in high school. Um, th- this guy is just off the charts. He is, I think he's rated number 10 by rivals. And Patrick Sertain is the number two player in the class. And he's kind of fallen out of, uh, out of the top three with Clemson. Uh, so, you know, I think we're, g- we're just going to move on to Cook. I like Cook better than Sertain. I think Sertain might be the most polished cornerback I've ever seen coming out of high school. But I, I-, I think Cook's upside is just unbelievably high. And when you talk about a 6'2", 6'2 player who has that much athleticism, that much speed, and, and that much that that refined technique already uh, just a high school uh, as a high school senior. Uh, what about Justin Ross? I mean, we saw him uh, get teamed up with uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, at the opening, and a lot of chatter from Clemson fans really wanting to go after this guy. Of course, we know Clemson's track record with bringing in star wide receivers year in and year out. This guy has to be on the top of the list as far as wide receivers go for Clemson. He is, you know. Quacking Tiger said that he is he, he's a Clemson lean, or he, and that's probably just a small lean because you're trying to pry him out of Alabama, and that in-state hold is like, it, I mean, you, you just don't see a whole lot of guys coming from Alabama to, to, to Clemson. I mean, you, and then you have Dabo as a, as a native there. But I, we do have wide receiver you, and that, that does matter. And I, I, I think, and I even heard on a, a FSU podcast, the word outside of our Clemson circle is that he's probably staying in-state. So uh, you know, varying reports, but I, I think. Um, but look, look at look at who could be throwing yes. you the ball. I mean, if you're looking at Clemson as a wide receiver, I mean, you're looking at Hunter Johnson, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, those are going to be the two guys if you're coming in next year. It, it's an easy sell. I mean, it, it's an easy sell, but it's not about I, the, wor- the the guys in his ears. Which you almost think that could be a, a positive. That you probably have a bunch of Auburn and a bunch of Alabama guys that just kind of negate one another. And he's like, hey, I don't want to upset both. I'm going to go to the best uh, wide receiver school in the country. Hopefully that's the case. Um, but it, it's hard to see how that's going to shake out. I will say, in terms of skill set, he is—he reminds me a lot of Deion Kane in a slightly bigger body. Deion Kane, if you remember, when he came out of high school, he was very raw. Uh, played quarterback in high school. Had all the athleticism in the world, but he's just now, even in his third year, still learning to be a route-running, you know, fully functional receiver. Going up and getting the ball. 
Yeah, even yeah, like you saw him make some catches in the national championship game that you hadn't seen at that point in his career. And sometimes, I mean, you, when you don't play as a receiver, that like that's your first opportunity to do so. You're just not you're just not there yet. Justin Ross, on the other hand, though, he does play receiver. He does know how to high point the ball. A little bit taller than Deion Kane, so I would say he's almost like a Deion Kane and, and Mike Williams hybrid. He has better ball skills um, and un- unbelievable just open field speed. You talk about a fade route. He, he is your guy. I, re- I really, really like him. He's just high high ceiling, low floor, or uh, high floor but, type player. But where does he fit coming in with T. Higgins already in the fold? Just keep moving him in. I mean, he would tr- traditionally, you'd want him playing that nine receiver role. But, I mean, it, guys that talented, you'll find somewhere for him. You're not going to put him at the number two, in, the, in the two, the slot. But, uh, but I think they'll be just fine. They'll, 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 you're not going to be able to keep him off the field. So at the running back position, obviously we missed out on Zamir White. Is there anybody that we're that we're looking at? Like I'm curious. Like Clemson, we, we landed Tavion Feaster uh, a couple years ago, but we haven't really had a really elite running back. Haven't had a hit on a really elite running back in some time now. I mean, really, is all I can think about. I mean, Gallman ended up being great, but at the time he was not ranked highly. Did you say Ellington? I mean, Spiller. Really. Elling- Ellington was the last one. But even coming in, we didn't think we didn't know what Ellington was going to be. Right. So Spiller being the last one that on the boards. Harper, was, Jamie Harper. Yeah. And Ellington. Yeah. Same year. Right. But they weren't Spiller level coming in. No, no. It, it's frankly, those guys don't grow on trees, but I think at this point, in a, in a high powered, sexy offense like Clemson, it does make you wonder at times, like, what, what's going on? Well, why can't we reel in at Well, maybe, we, maybe start building a, the offensive line. They see that you can yeah, punish people up front fair. and move the ball. I mean, isn't, isn't the offense more tailored around the quarterback, though, in terms of. You know, there are other schools where the running back is certainly more featured that Alabama. You know, you're going to go to LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, and you're going to be the man there. Um, whereas it's not that those schools have had lousy quarterbacks. Actually, LSU has, but um, certainly they're run first offenses with their scheme. And generally, I mean, we've been blessed really the last two uh, long, long standing quarterbacks to be able to do that under Chad Morris and then Skelliot. But yeah, we'll we'll see where that goes, but I think that's really more of a reason why Clemson hasn't been able to uh, like recruit or attract that type of running back talent. And again, we have Feaster, and let's not sell him short because highly recruited kid. He's only one year in the system. Uh, he's gonna get an opportunity this year, polish up on his pass blocking, and once once it clicks for him, that's gonna be a game changer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we can't rule him out yet. When we look at 2017, this current class, or I'm sorry, I guess 2018. There's just not enough. Like, there's not another Zamir White on the board. There's not another CJ Spiller. We there's just there's a lot of, um, I guess you could say high upside four star players, which are just fine because Wayne Gallman was a three star, uh, but there's not going to be a well, Zamir yeah, White. Yeah, with the quarterbacks we have coming in, like, do we need? You know, we we've whiffed on Zamir White. Is that a disaster? I don't think so, considering the abundance of talent. Uh, you know, we still need to bring somebody in that's going to be, you know, has talent and it's going to be serviceable because you look at. You know, Feaster has this year. We'll see what he does in next. But after that, you may be looking on moving on. You're having to rely on uh, Etienne to come in and play well. Three-star kid probably could be higher if he was more highly followed during his recruiting process. But we still don't right. know what we're going to get out of him. Right, and it's not just a will it doom us? Not no, but I think the, the better question is like we just won a national championship. We've been to two national championships in a row. Yeah, we what, should be able. What to are get, we reaping out of that? Yeah, we should be able to get recruiting. 
yeah, high four star and in a sexy offense. Like you're right, it's not a ground and pound type Alabama offense, but we do like to run the ball. You will be featured. You will get plenty of uh, of snaps and plenty of carries. Well, it's going to be really interesting to see how the rest of this 2018 class rounds out because again, this is the first year Clemson is recruiting off of just winning a national championship. So there's spots left on the board. There's high high level targets left out there. Clemson is is making their list and they're starting at the top and working down, right? They're going after uh, the guys at the Ohio States, the Alabamas, uh, Florida States are going after uh, teams that historically recruit at a higher level than Clemson. Um, so it's an interesting time, and we'll just have to see. You know, it's we we won a national championship based on being i think rivals came out recently uh with a stat that had clemson ranked like the 11th average uh for recruiting classes over like the past five seasons and that was good enough to get us to two national championship games in a row and win one and the future is looking very bright so let's see what this one win does this year and then going into 2019 let me ask you guys if you had to give kind of the top marks to a clemson position coach um certainly jeff scott is head recruiter for clemson but um you know, really from a position group for the recruiting job done with so far the 2018 class, who do you think is standing out? I mean, I think in general, Brent Venables, I mean, everything you hear, when he locks his target in on a guy, he gets him. Um, and it's just been proven with how, how much talent they've stockpiled on that defense since he's come here. Look what, look at the defensive linemen. I mean, Jesus, we could be, we probably will be, barring injuries, the most elite defensive line uh, in college football this year, and we've been pretty damn good for the past several seasons. Yeah, I'm already going to give Todd Bates a lot of credit for that because he is the that is his unit. But also, um, I, I think the the groundwork was already laid in terms of sending all these NFL guys uh, onto the next level. Like it, it makes Clemson quite a draw at the defensive line position. Right. I would go with like Mike Reed, maybe Mickey Kahn, that combination on the on the back end of the defense, just because. Um, we talk about offensive linemen. The one that we've finally been able to secure, high high level Mitch Hyatt type offensive lineman. Well, now we're doing the same on the defensive uh, for defensive backs, and that's been a long time coming. Unfortunately, we, you know we've had some good ones throughout the years, but to to be on the list for every almost every top 100 player that you know they're looking at Clemson now, uh, times have changed. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you build up that defensive back quality, too. I mean, you can mask some things at uh, the mid-level linebacker if you have a dominant defensive line and you have dominant guys in the secondary to back it up. Um, but if you have a weaker secondary, a, a, a dominant defensive line can be mitigated somewhat. Right. I, I'm not certainly as learned as you two are, and I'm not sure what role he plays in this recruiting, but i got to give hats off to Robbie Caldwell, too, on the O-line and just what he's been able to do to get Clemson involved with some of these names with – you know, guards and tackles, et cetera, coming through. Yeah, we'll see if they can On close the, the deal because yeah. Yeah, they're they're in the fold. We, we really need a few of them to pop. I think we'd be remiss not to acknowledge Dabo as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he might, he might have something to do Pretty with it. in the living room, I think. Um, any last thoughts, I guess, on the state of the recruiting, re- restocking the cabinets? Uh, it's all starting to come into focus now. You know, you hit National Signing Day and you go into spring practice and – you're turning uh, attention to the next class, and you've already got some guys signed, but it gets kind of slow. A lot of names are being thrown out there, uh, so you can get kind of hazy on what's going on. Now you're ramping up to the beginning of the next school year. Um, you've got all the camps in the summer. 
Uh, obviously, the opening, you got the all-in cookout coming up, and some guys are going to be looking to commit before they start their season so they don't have the distractions. So, again, you're starting to see it coming into focus. Um, historically, the all-in cookout has produced commitments, so it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Yeah, and I'll say this. You get, you get teams like Florida State and Alabama and Ohio State, um, particularly Florida State and Alabama, they win the recruiting ranking, team rankings year after year because of the numbers game. They, they, they can, I don't want to say run off players, but in some cases that's what happens. There's a lot of turnover there. Um, what we've been able to do with smaller classes for several reasons, you know, there's a reason we have these smaller classes, is just be very efficient and rely on these high upside players like Dexter Lawrence, like Christian Wilkins, like Deshaun Watson, the list goes on. You can't you can't have as many misses. You can't you can't swing and miss. You can do that a lot more when you're at Florida State if you have more scholarships to give. But we've been able to we've been able to cherry pick, pinpoint the guys we want. Um, you've seen that formula work. Even if we had to take a second or third guy, you know, a few years ago that wasn't on top of our list. Now we're now we're getting the guy at the top of the list. And guys like Dexter Lawrence, again. Christian Wilkins, um, you know, again, the list goes on. Sammy Watkins, that's how you build an elite program. And I think guys like Sawyer are the reason you get excited because that gives you a run game for three years. Even even on the flip side of that, I mean, you saw what Clemson was able to do, which was kind of unusual for them. Usually the class is locked up fairly early. But the way they were to swoop in and get Isaiah Simmons, uh, Trayvon Mullen, and Kevon Wallace last year all in the secondary – at the end of the recruiting cycle, that was amazing. Clemson, you don't usually see Clemson doing that. Yeah, and that's a good, maybe a good segue because what we want to talk, we'll talk about our secondary eventually. And I think they just become this logjam of talent that there's a lot of guys. Lot, yeah, lots of guys. Um, uh, it's 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 hard to think. I don't, I can't remember we had this much talent. Maybe not proven, but um, that's the result of just good recruiting and going in late in the game. And you're not you're you're not pulling a three star out of that in state because you have a pipeline school there. You're going in into uh, into Kansas. Well, no, they're going to South Carolina in Virginia. And when we started this show two years ago, we were talking about like man, where we we would like Clemson to get is on the level of the Alabama and Ohio states, where you do have a quarterback go down in Braxton Miller. You have JT Barrett come in and replace him. That guy gets hurt. You got Cardale Jones right there, ready to go. Like next man up is really a thing when you're when you're at that level. And Clemson is there. Like we we've got the depth with talent to prove it. I'm not even sure Ohio State knew they had that going three deep <laughs> yeah. at quarterback. Yeah. So really, we're going to be looking to this all-in cookout, very monumental event for Clemson recruiting. Last year, that led to the. Um, Seal the deal, really, with five-star A.J. Terrell and four-star Jordan Williams, among others. So uh, we will keep a close eye on that in our next show. Hopefully I have good news to report on some of these, some of these names. Um, anyway, the future's bright for Clemson. Let's focus on this coming year's team. Um, really, I think for myself particularly, in reacclimating myself with what we're going to see on the field in 2017, losing nine starters from last year plus some quality depth either to graduation or the draft, or as it were, transfer or even injury. Um, yeah, we're losing nine starters, guys. So, um, you know, that, that does mean we're bringing back 13. Um, so it's not, you know, a complete disaster, a complete restocking. Um, but I think, you know, it's it's been good for me to re-familiarize myself with the roster. Um, and looking over the summer too deep, which Clemson released a few weeks ago, it kind of feels like they were just using seniority and, you know, historical snap counts, if you will, as a placeholder for really who's going to be, you know, starting and or, you know, second man on the two deep. And I know we're going to be seeing several head-to-head battles coming up um, in fall camp here very soon. 
So definitely eager to hear both of your guys' take on which of those head-to-head battles are most compelling on the defensive side of the football um, as we get into it. Obviously, this is also not our position group preview or even player highlight preview for the season. We're going to be doing that in the coming weeks. It's just kind of a, you know... Things that stand out to us. I mean, yeah, it's like exactly. There's, there's opportunities for breakout players, um, and then also the position battles like you talked about, but then also new guys coming in. Who do we think is going to... I mean, is it so obvious? I mean, I think we all have three guys who we think might get to play. Is there anybody else outside of those three guys? I mean, yeah, time will tell. I guess, you know, special teams is really tough to tough to calibrate that coming but in. But, like, in the starting lineup. I think Jordan Williams. Uh, I mean, maybe he's a little bit obvious, too, just because of the concerns of depth. At, at, with Jurgen going down. At, yeah, yeah, and... Great starters there on the defensive end, the defensive end, but who who's going to be backing them up? Is Chris Register? Is he ready for like real snaps, like a, a heavy workload? Xavier Kelly. Uh, yeah, Kelly. Is he back? Is he healthy? Is he put it together from a fundamental standpoint? Um, I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, because he hasn't seen the field yet. He's yeah. out last year with injury. And, and going back to like the way our coaches evaluate players, they they evaluated Jordan Williams. He, he was very high on the board, um, higher than what the rankings had. So um, I think. Raw, raw talent, raw skills, he certainly has the chance to, to hit the two deep and be a, ro- a rotational player because we, we need that. We have, I mean, someone's got to do it. And he's not on campus yet, is he? Or he is, well, he now. is now. He yeah. wasn't He wasn't for the spring. So yeah, how hard – I mean, when you have your your so-called cupcakes uh, early in the season where you have an opportunity to get a lot of these freshmen, true freshmen. Like the guys Louisville on the road, <laughs> Auburn. I was thinking more yeah, – one cupcake. <laughs> I was thinking more of Kent State. You're right. No, that's right. We don't get into the meat of our right. ACC Atlantic schedule until we get to the cupcakes. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we touched on the freshman. Coastal, and, whatever division we're not in. And certainly, I, I think in spots, these guys – I mean, Hunter Johnson may be the starting quarterback this year at some point, and that, that could be the freshman talk of really college football if he is. But uh, I, I think it's probably more a case this year of do we go into guys that are – got some playing time and experience last season coming in and actually making an impact. Um, that'll probably be more the case, right? Well, and I think that's why Xavier Kelly's a really interesting one because he came in. They thought that he would he could play last year. That he had an opportunity to come in mid-season, late in the season, and started getting some significant reps. But that, that injury, uh, car car wreck, the moped. Uh, moped accident that he got in, um, really set him back. So yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see how he's come along yeah. uh, in the spring. What he can do, how he can develop in fall practice. Um, you know, very athletic guy. Um, he's going to create problems for an offensive line uh, given time. I don't know if that's going to be this year. Um, maybe they're thinking next year is where he really arrives on the scene. Um, but he'll get playing time this year, and I think you'll start to hear his name. Yeah, two thoughts on him. One is that uh, just the defensive end in general we talked about, it's not quite like linebacker, but with uh, a lot more eye candy and the things offensive coordinators in the modern modern era of college football, things they're throwing at defensive ends, you have to you have to really uh, know what you're doing, know the, know the schemes, know what's coming at you. Is he ready mentally? Is he is he ready fundamentally? I don't, I don't know, but uh, he is. Second thing is he is an incredible athlete, maybe the best athlete at defensive end. Um, on campus, and that, that's saying a lot when you got Cleveland Farrell and, and Austin Bryant already in the fold. Like, he is just a freak. And so, Well, so let me ask you this. Sticking on defensive end, you know, you got Austin Bryant coming in this year, again, back from injury last year, played a little bit at the end of the season, but he's going to assume that, that other starting role, the opposite side of Cleveland Farrell. Uh, 
you know, this is a guy who's been prone to injury a little bit throughout high school and here into his college career. Uh, it's thin with Jurgen going down. I mean, that was a guy that we were going to lean on, and we have less less known entities like people who can come in and contribute behind him. Uh, what are the odds you think that Christian Wilkins doesn't end up sliding back out to DE this year? And how does that affect the interior defensive line if he has to? We don't have Pagano anymore. He's left the team. Yeah, so maybe just to level set, who have we lost on the D-line entirely this year? Scott Pagano is transferring to Oregon. Carlos Watkins went in the draft. Um, that's that's a really good twosome of defensive tackles right there. Incredible snap counts, tenure, experience, uh, leadership really at those those positions. And so and that's, that, that's what allowed Wilkins to move out last year was the <coughs> fact that we had Dexter yeah, Lawrence. You still have Albert Huggins that. on the team and you have Pagano on the team. Uh, you don't have that this year. I mean, you, I mean, you have Huggins, and well, you've got some other guys right. um, like Niles Pickney, who's going to come in and get some playing time. Uh, but it's not as easy to move him out. So I think it's very important that we keep Austin Bryant healthy, healthy, and he's able to produce. But we also bring somebody else along behind him who can be a suitable backup. Let me let me maybe flip it, Cody. Does Christian Wilkins see time at defensive end in more than two games this season? Yeah, there's so many variables there. Um, I hope not. I don't think that's a good sign for us. Um, also, I don't think it's one of those things where you can switch a second baseman to third, like a utility infielder. Like you, you there's so much preparation, and yeah. I've respected that 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 position, be it whether it be defensive tackle or defensive end. He's you not. You almost gonna, have to commit to that choice. Hey, don't don't sell Christian Wilkins short. I mean, you've seen you're, him. You're catch, right. You've seen him go from de to catching passes. I can't tell you how rare it is to be able to just that easily. That's uh, fluidly switch a defensive tackle out to defensive end, and him be able to pick it up the way he was or and be wide all, receiver and, and play all American and and wide receiver Ben. Uh, but I don't. I don't think. I really hope he's not. I hope. I hope you keep him inside because that is the best defensive tackle combination that we could be talking about twenty years from now. That's how good it is. And that's not hyperbol- uh, hyper hyperbole or hyperbolic. <laughs> yeah, you had it right the first time. You just got to commit to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, I think if you did have to go in that direction, though, if we're talking about up and coming players, let's talk about Albert Huggins, um, who is a defense tackle, came in in state. You know, on, in most years in Clemson, he would be maybe the best player on our defensive line there, defensive tackle. He'd be starting. He would have started last year for a lot of teams. He's really good. And even in the short time he played, there wasn't a huge drop-off. He was able to uh, wreak havoc. The word on him is, like, between the years, maybe he hasn't been quite as focused on football. Well, you know, he's in the money now. He's in his money years, third year. And I think that players tend to, you know, kind of transform a little bit around this time. Another thing you could think about, think of too, is if you are going to commit to potentially moving Wilkins out, and I think injury would be the thing that would that would uh, make that happen, and I don't, and I hope that doesn't happen. I think giving him a chance as the first team defensive tackle there, that three technique alongside Dexter Lawrence, could help motivate him. Uh, oh, absolutely. For him well, to understand he, the gravity. And, of, and he, I mean, he's made that statement as well. He's acknowledged that he knows when to, to turn off his joking personality. Um, it's not something like a. Like he's distracted or anything like that. He just needs to know to learn when to be serious. I mean, you got to maintain the good qualities of him being a fun-loving guy, a jokester, but to be able to turn that off, right? Like Christian Wilkins does, and be serious when the time comes. But you know, you see it happen a lot. Of these guys. Not everybody is a Sammy Watkins or Deshaun Watson coming in as a freshman. It takes them a few years to develop that maturity. Deion Kane, um, Mark Fields. Uh, so this is another one of those situations. He has all the talent in the world. And you got to remember, too, he was a defensive end in high school. So he's also transitioning to a new position in college his first couple of years. So 
I think having him as a backup that we're we're in pretty good shape there if we have to move Wilkins out to in. Um, and I think Niles Pickney is going to see some good playing time this year too, and he's got an opportunity to be special. He's the other guy. I mean, he was the Cleveland Farrell from the year before, and in, in the practice, those reports say that he was the most impressive guy on the practice squad last year. And, and traditionally, Clemson never a guy that would that would see a red shirt because he he was so talented. Um, they compare him to Grady Jarrett in terms of like his, his smaller stature, but like kind of a wrecking ball. He can really shoot the gap at defensive tackling and pressure the quarterback. Um, I really, I really think. I mean, I, I don't. Again, great as great as good as Grady Jarrett was. I don't think it's it's outlandish to think that that is now Niles Pinkney's upside, and he's had one year or two. Uh, whereas Grady Jarrett was hitting the fold like right on uh, early on in his career as a true freshman, Pinkney's had a year now of seasoning, of development, of, of weight training. Um, I, I'm really I've heard reports from like STS saying that uh, I think I'll, you know I'll call Alex Kraft who I love he does a great job I think he has some concerns that you know one to five we're not going to be as good but I I don't really think that I don't see the talent dropping off too much yeah I don't either I mean some of these guys you just need to see them get on the field and we haven't seen that yet but you've again Cleveland Farrell other guys at defensive end over past years have just stepped up stepped right into the fold and made a huge impact uh, this has been a consistent trend on Clemson's defensive line, and I expect it continues. Guys, is this unit better than the receiver unit? From last year or moving into this year? this year, 2017 season. I think it is. I mean, I think certainly the talent level is high on the receiver core. Oh, yeah. They've got more numbers, I would say. When you lose Mike Williams and Artavis Scott. I'm not talking about compared to last year and what we're – I just think there's more – there are more snaps played on this defensive line than – we've seen among the receiver core ball catchers. I, I mean, I, I think this unit is, and, and led by the the talent of Dexter Lawrence, because it's not linear. You're not take, placing a value kind of like in baseball, He can right? take steps at, steps forward still, as crazy well, as well, that and is to think about. So, I mean, going to the point of the wide receiver position, that's another one of those things like the defensive line that we just keep reloading and sticking another guy in there. We haven't had a down year at the receiving court really since Nuke's first year when nobody could catch the damn ball, and he started coming on at the end of the season. Next year, Nuke has a great season. You have Sammy Watkins come in, and it's been all uphill yeah, from there. Riches from there. Well, going back to the D line, I mean, I I just view, and again, it's you know technically two positions there, but that is the strength of this team. That's like the the cream of the crop among Clemson football. Um, a lot known there. Any interesting position battles or pecking order battles, or do you think the two deeps pretty solidified at this point? On the line, I, on the I, line, I think it's pretty solidified. I don't expect any one person to jump somebody else. I think your starters are Brian and Farrell at end, and you have Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins up the middle. I mean, those are three guys that you know that aren't being jumped, and then there's nobody experienced enough behind Brian, and we know what his upside is, and we can see what he can do. Those four guys are locked in. Only thing I'll say is that what I'm rooting for more than anything, what I'll be watching for is when when Kelly goes into the game because I want to see him looking ready and, and, and putting that athleticism and talent putting it to work. And then I want to see Jordan Williams because I, I really think he is the next um, – I think he's like Kevin Dodd type size I mean, and, and he has that type of athleticism. Huge upside. I want to see those two guys. I, I love Chris Register and even Richard Yergin. I just don't think they present the same type of upside. So that, those are the guys I'll be rooting for. Austin, uh, Austin Bryant and Cleveland Farrell probably aren't long for Clemson, unfortunately. Yep, I think we'll be fine. We got guys coming in, Xavier Thomas, et cetera. And it's not like we haven't experienced that before. Right. Uh, well, let's stick with the defense. Let's move to the linebacker core. Um, in terms of losses, 
Huge. Ben Boulware going into the league. Um, really eager to see what he's able to do in Carolina. Um, in terms of who's back, Kendall Joseph. I, I really viewed him as my unsung hero of 2016. Really good to get him back at the will position. Um, he will be... Um, I think the will position, though, for me, is one of... A question there is around depth. Um, we have one of the Davis twins, I guess, in the, the second spot of the two deep um, behind Kendall Joseph. Um, and then... But certainly that Ben Bulware, you know, the, the shoes he's going to leave to fill. Uh, Trey Lamar, it looks like, is going to step up. Um, Chad Smith is also going to be seeing some playing time. Um, those are the two names that, you know, Trey Lamar did get playing time last year, but those are really the two kind of next man up names that I see in this linebacker core. Well, well, Kendall Joseph was, I mean, he came on last year and, you know, he had an incredible season. So he's moving over to the wheel this year to, to move into Ben Bulware's spot. So it's really, can Trey Lamar come in there and be a guy that Venables trusts and be a dependable guy at that position so we can avoid having to move uh, Kendall Joseph back there? Yeah, I think we might all agree on this. It seems like of all the positions we can get excited about, new receivers, new defensive linemen, linebacker is the one we tend to we tend to hedge a little bit on. We we are a little we're a little cautious because you've seen guys like Stephon Anthony not not really pan out until his junior year. You've seen that with Bulware. He wasn't really he wasn't getting the playing time until his junior year. Um, you got to kind of tread lightly with these guys. I think Trey Lamar could be the one exception in his second year. He's got it all between the the years. He's super smart kid, super dedicated, uh, great work ethic, at least by all reports. That he, had, we, he had to like he was like majoring in civil engineering and had to switch. I mean, how is he even like the the ambition to start there, like, <laughs> right. is is incredible. Like, props to that guy. It's smart too, because he has a chance to play in the league. He's gonna make a lot of millions if uh, if everything works out. But uh, Mike linebacker, like, he is just your prototypical. If you could draw him up in a lab, six, I think he's six four, about two forty five, just and, and great wheels, really great wheels. I think the one thing that you hate to move a guy like. Kendall Joseph out of Mike linebacker because he had such a good year, but he is much better suited, in my opinion, for a will linebacker where you're able to kind of roam around more freely, not take on as many blocks. And he's Trey guy, Lamar is that prototypical middle linebacker. That's the guy you want there. Well, and Kendall Joseph is a guy that can do that. I mean, Venables already trusts him. I mean, he's a guy that can be flexible, move to that position. I mean, either way, you have to have him on the field. There's no doubt about that. Then flipping over to the Sam position, Dorian O'Daniel is he's going to have a breakout year. We've seen flashes. We've seen enough from him. He's had some great games last year. And so I think between him and Kendall Joseph that we're set. We have known quantities at, or known entities at those two positions. And strong leadership too. So that's, that's something that you know, is great. I think what is really prevalent to me with this, and this is Brent Venable's position. Like this is his wheelhouse. This is his group. This is you know, his identity. Um, I, I, do we have the best depth that we've had here in the last two, three years, guys? coming into this season again well it depends on who pans out we haven't seen Shaq Smith actually get on the field yet because he redshirted last year and you know for Lamar any other year's schedule um coming out of the gates easing him in but this year you got some offensive schemes in Auburn and Louisville that are really Mm going to create some challenges so we'll see there might be growing pains we'll see um how it works out there but yeah I mean you've got Chad Smith um, who is listed as a co-starter with Trey Lamar. Yeah. Right. And then you have Jalen Williams, who did, you know, he's, he's, saw some spot work last yeah. season, um, backing up at the Sam. So I guess just, yeah, maybe maybe in the will, the depth may not be really what we need it to be. So, you know, 
star next to Kendall Joseph for health. Well, really, the hope is this year is that we do have uh, an actual two deep the Venables can trust. We're not seeing these linebackers on the field so much because for the past several years they have they have had the lion's share of of the snaps um, on on this Venables led defense. I mean, think about Bullware, uh, think about Kendall Joseph. I mean, guys that have played over 900 snaps. Um, yeah, Bullware did upper 800s, 900 snaps for two years. Um, yep. I mean, it'd be incredible to see Shaq Smith take that next step and be able to stay on the football field this season. Um, I think yeah. linebacker is one of those groups. It's not like Dexter Lawrence coming in at a defensive tackle as a freshman and just being already he's got his man body and he's bigger than most any guy he's facing the offensive line and he can just walk over people. Uh, linebackers are the quarterbacks of the defense, man. You, it's not just your physical traits. You've got to have the right technique down. You've got to know all the play calls. You've got to be able to communicate and run the defense. Yeah, it's that, it's that pre-snap processing that goes on to know if it's a run play, a pass play, and one step in the wrong direction, or if you're a second slow, you will not get to your, you will not get to Dalvin Cook, and he will be in the end zone. Like that's the difference between you know that and another outcome. So. Um, Shaq Smith would just be the other guy, though. Like, I really hope he can he can put it together. And again, if he does, that's it. That's doing it in his second year. So I honestly think that's a little bit too optimistic to think that he can see, uh, you know, more than I don't know. We'll say two hundred to three hundred snaps, just because well, you yeah. already have Kendall Joseph there. Yeah, because uh, Lamar had and, what a hundred and something snaps last year. So yeah. you can't expect any more out of Shaq Smith, having no experience from last year, than you right. can out of Lamar with you know limited action last year. But a lot of depth. Uh, we, we'll see. Again, it's it's the only position group where as optimistic as we can be about everything that Venables does, and even though that is his own position group, you, you have to see it first. You have to see it from linebackers first before you can say they're going to be a star. Yep. Cool. Um, so let's keep moving right along um, into the secondary. So um, losses there, I think this will be felt pretty emphatically from the start, um, is Cordray Tankersley will be gone. Um, also lost Jadar Johnson. He was an undrafted free agent, so going to the league. Um, and then um, Corin Wiggins was playing that nickel Sam position, um, battling with some injuries. He's transferred out, so has Adrian Baker off to Oklahoma State. Um, so are, we are losing some talent. We are losing, I think this is really where, on the defense at least, we're feeling the most from a volume loss standpoint um, in terms of snaps. But it does seem like we've also got, you know, this is really where the benefits of recruiting is starting to bear fruit, at least in terms of potential talent. And, and here we've actually built depth in talent. You know, the last couple of years, especially at the well, really cornerback and the safety positions, maybe a little bit less so um, at the, the boundary corner uh, position, but at the field corner position and then at the safeties, we've been relying on one guy. I mean, last year was Tank, the year before that it was McKenzie Alexander uh, at cornerback. And then, you know, Last year, you have Jadar Johnson and Van Smith relied on heavily. And then Green and Curse the year before that. So there probably won't be true freshmen starting or really getting much playing time here, but we are going to start to see the emergence of Kavon Wallace and Trayvon Mullen. Uh, they're, though they're not stated as starters, I think you will see them start to emerge. Um, ben, do you want to take us through where you see uh, sort of the guys that have been unsung heroes? coming breaking out this year well on the defensive side of the ball i'm really looking for mark fields um he's got all the talent in the world he could be one of the best clemson cornerbacks to ever play at the school 
He's coming got, off a turf toe injury, right? He's coming off a turf toe injury, but that hasn't been the main problem with him. It, it has been between the ears. You know, he came in by all accounts um, uh, a little entitled. They've had to get him to tone that down a bit and really lock in and focus. Um, he puts all that together, and again, I mentioned earlier, not every freshman comes in as mature as a Deshaun Watson, but it doesn't mean that after two years that they're a bust if they haven't made uh, miraculous strides on the field. But there was a stat that came out this, uh, this past week that I saw, and I don't remember the exact number, so I'm not going to say it, but his completion percentage against last year when he was in the game was extremely low. Uh, so again, that just goes to show you, he's got all the talent in the world. He puts it all together. There's going to be no doubt who should be the starting cornerback on that side of the field this year. I would love for him to be the guy that emerges. And we, we all love Ryan Carter and we love Marcus Evans, but they're kind of just, a, you know, the last piece of what we had from yesteryear in terms of lower level talent. And, and hey, Marcus Evans won us a couple games last year, so we love him. And I think they're reliable. If that's, if that's our worst option. Then Ryan Carter's done really well, too. Yes, yes. Um, but you're talking about just uh, NFL, like you said, one of the best most talented uh, in terms of raw physical talent, Mark Fields in his 4.2840 time. I mean, that's just off the charts. Trayvon Mullen, from what I've heard, is it looks like the best cornerback on campus when you talk about total package, size, um, being able to get off blocks and make tackles, which is, is very important in our system, and uh, and obviously, obviously coverage ability. So he's the guy. I mean, he's maybe an obvious answer, but he's the guy I really want to step in and, and take over um, and, and takes old, old spot there. Who do you see taking the starter position at the nickel, nickel position? I think it's Isaiah Simmons. Uh, maybe a, a kind of a dark horse and maybe a sexier candidate would be A.J. Terrell. I could see him coming in. A um, little bit of a logjam on both sides of cornerback. Maybe the same for safety. And, and frankly, maybe he goes and plays safety, and that's where he gets the most playing time. What about Kevon Wallace? He could well. He's playing a lot of cornerback, but I think he could just as well cross train. I think AJ Terrell is just—he's uh, a freak. Um, the nickel is—I don't want to say easy to pick up on, but it's a little bit more instinctive because you're closer to the line of scrimmage. So that's a place where he could make a very meaningful impact and do it—do it early. I would, about I would say maybe Terrell later in the season. I don't know if a true freshman is going to come in uh, and just for the fall and step on the field in that position. So Kevon Wallace is an interesting choice for me. I mean, it is a guy he can play all over the field. He can play cornerback. He can play safety. Uh, he can play in that nickel position. Um, so his versatility alone uh, is going to bode well for him. Um, he's a very physical guy. Um, he's, uh, from all accounts, he's had the ability to grasp concepts of this defense um, just coming in. So that has obviously helped him uh, being able to be so flexible in his multiple roles. But I wouldn't count him out there at the nickel position, just getting him on the field. Yeah, no, I, I I would like him there. I, I'm kind of curious why he's he's number three cornerback. Why he why he isn't playing more at safety, um, because he he looked like he could play there as well. He's just he's you know just multi talented like that. So um, him Terrell and uh, even Simmons. I think that you have a lot of options in athleticism what? between the nickel and, and safety. And that just goes to show you about recruiting. Like this is not something we've talked about a lot in the recent past of being having so many guys who can play. And, and get in into a starting role in the secondary. So this is pretty exciting. We've been a little bit thin, and we've been relying on not getting injured, and we've been lucky to not have over the past couple of years. Now I think if you do see an injury go down to one of the starters, we can sustain that. Yeah. Okay, question, why are, why are we doubting Tanner Muse? I'm not saying we, and I'm not even saying the Clemson fan base is, but are, 
maybe the question is, are we doubting Tanner Muse? Do we not think he's the real deal? I'm not. I mean, I, I, I figured he's the second starter. Didn't say he wasn't. Yeah, I get, we're so excited about these like five star, you know, high four star guys. Maybe that's where just we want to see them uh, versus uh, you know a three star guy that's worked his butt off. Well, and see, I gave him the benefit. The odds. I gave him the benefit of the doubt and did not talk about the safeties really. Right, Van Smith is in no doubt. Tanner Muse, he's the other guy. We don't have a lot of depth at safety outside of those two guys. That's where somebody like a Kevon Wallace, if he needs to move into safety uh, to, to back up there, that's beneficial. Um, but no, I've got them like him and, uh, I, I saw enough, we've heard enough about him, saw him get some good playing time last year and some good experience him and Van Smith. I think they're going to lock it down. Any passing thoughts on the secondary kind of, it, it's really going to be interesting to see where starters play out, but I almost feel like with all the depth we've talked about, who's opening up against Auburn and Louisville may not end up being who starts against Florida State. So I, I don't think it matters. I think yeah. we have so many guys, uh, such a talented, uh, such a huge talent pool to pull from that somebody's going to emerge. And I think you're going to see it this year. Uh, the deep balls over 20 yards from a couple years ago went down by like 11 or so uh, throughout the season. I think you're going to see that go down again this year. And you start combining an, a secondary that is getting into a top – 10 in the country and you combine that with our defensive line watch out and are we really playing that many potent passing attacks where this secondary is going to be immediately challenged i think they're we're going to be playing two high powered high pace um spread almost run pass option offenses in louisville and auburn early that 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 may challenge the youth and the inexperience on this secondary but beyond that we're not really facing gunslingers are we well, and whomever the quarterback is for the opposing team, they're going to be feeling some pressure from the defensive line too. Those, you know, those three teams on it that we've circled on our schedule, Louisville, Auburn, and Florida State, do have questionable offensive lines, so that's one thing to note. But, no, I, I think Stidham, I think it's a better passing opposing schedule this year than, than last. So I think the, even right away, game two, I think you're going to see the secondary tested. Um, it is nice to have Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins playing side-by-side on, the, on your defensive line, though. Okay, guys, we got to wrap the defense up here. So let's take a quick step back and look at this 2017 defense. I want to take two year, a two-year two step back, though. So the 2015 season, we were coming off having the number one defense in the country. A bunch of guys went into the draft. Everyone said it was our best defense ever. I think they were right up to that point. Um, we thought we were going to take a step back with the 2015 defense. Turns out we didn't. After 2015, we lost Shaq, Kevin Dodd, and Mack to the draft. We thought maybe last year's team was going to struggle to find their footing. Turns out we were wrong again, and that team was stellar, top five defense, national championship. This year, we are replacing, what, four starters and three pretty solid rotation players on defense. Um, But Clemson seems to be getting a good amount of hype uh, for our defense this year, probably learning lessons from the last couple seasons of doubting Brent Venables and our talent um, on this team. So... What do you guys think? Do you think we'll kind of hold serve on the, the quality level of the last couple of seasons? Might take a step back, might take a step forward. Uh, step forward for me, it's more well-rounded. I mean, the defensive line is going to be the best in college football, I think. Uh, the linebackers, a bit of a question mark there, but really talented guys on the field, uh, I think will be fine in the secondary. I, I expect them to blossom this year. Um, I'm calling it three shutouts this year. That's a hot take, Ben. Wow. I mean, it, we did have two last year. Eh, yeah, okay. Kent State doesn't count. But 
Um, I'm going to go with, uh, I, I, I've gone both ways. Is this going to be, I, I'm not comparing this defense to any other defense in 2014. And I've tried to take off the orange tinted glasses and really be objective, which I'm pretty good about normally. I think this is better than 2014. I've, I've arrived at that conclusion. Either, you still have to play football. It's not, it's not on, the game's not played on paper. But I really think I've heard, I heard someone say they were talking about Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence as the best two players in the ACC. And they said, hell, they might be the best two players in the nation. And talking about defensive players, I think when you bring that, and it's that potent, and, uh, and you can surround it with other guys that, have, that are high caliber, you're bringing in high caliber players. I think everything points, if you're doing the fundamental analysis of a stock, everything looks good. You got the right coach, you can't doubt Venables anymore. Um, I, I think it's it's got the makings to be better than 2014. I'm gonna have to correct just to, myself. Just a shade better. I'm gonna have to correct myself. We're gonna have four shutouts yet next year. I forgot about Syracuse. <laughs> we we did have three last year. Do you remember Ohio State? Uh, oh, of course I remember yeah. Ohio State. <laughs> Pretty important one. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is gonna be an awesome year. So. Um, this will be leading the team. I think in the past couple of years, it's been uh, questions on offense, but really a lot more confidence on that side. So good to see um, Brent Venables start to get the respect he's due um, as the best defense coordinator in the country. And you know what? We should have had four shutouts last year. South Carolina should not have scored that garbage touchdown. So I'm going five next year. Joking. No. All joking aside, I, yeah, this is going to be a tough defense. I'm looking at three shutouts on the schedule next year. Book it. Do they give up more than 30 points in any given game? That's a good question. Um, early in the season, it's going to be interesting to see what Auburn's able to do. Good quarterback. Um, they'll be on the road, though. Uh, Louisville, obviously Lamar Jackson, but he's missing some wide receivers that he relied on last year to go up and get some of those crazy balls that he threw. Um, and then also the offensive line is a question mark on that team. And given that our defensive line is going to be so good, uh, that'll be interesting to look at. So um, I don't know. Part of it depends on how well the offense does. You know, you got to be able to keep your defense off the field to keep them from getting worn down. I would have to say, yeah, they'll get up more than 30 at some point. Like that's had, just going to happen. We had four such games last year. Yeah. Um, but I still think overall you're going to see a stronger defense all around. I agree. I mean, injury luck needs to be on our side, and we've, we've been very fortunate. I don't hate throwing that in there because I, that can apply to anybody in any year, but or any team in, it, in any year. But uh, but that that's something we have to consider. Excellent. Well, thank you all for listening. Appreciate that. Um, appreciate the word of mouth. We got a pretty impressive stream count. We were pleased to see that after this after our return episode. Um, please keep spreading the word, telling friends and family about the podcast. Um, if you are so inclined please go to iTunes and leave us a review. We appreciate that. It's a great way for others to start to learn about, about this show when they are looking for Clemson football um, talk and content to consume leading up to the season. So we appreciate that. You can find us online at SoundCloud. That's where we post our episodes if you want to stream this or subscribe over there. We're also on Twitter and Facebook. Just look for Clemson Podcast. That's all we got for today. We'll be back to review the All In Cookout and... I guess we'll do probably an offensive roster dust off in the next one as well. So uh, thanks again for listening. Go Tigers. And I'm, so, I'm so happy for our family. It's not, it's not, this is not for just us. This is for the Taj Boyds, the Stephon Anthony's, the Grady Jarrett's, the New Cop, Sammy Watkins. Y'all built this. 
Y'all started this foundation, and all we did is build upon it, and we finished it. It's been 35 long years. Clemson, y'all been waiting 35 years. It's finally coming home, baby. It's coming home. Let's go.